Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to The Broad Experience, the show about women, the workplace, and success. I'm Ashley Melntite. This time on the show... Although being extroverted wasn't, I would say, required to be good at the job... It was certainly something that was really strongly valued. Introverts can feel awkward in the modern workplace and judged, perhaps women more so than men. So I think a quiet man, it's like, oh, he's thinking or he's introspective or he's deep. And a quiet woman is shy or afraid or you're not confident. You need to have more confidence in yourself. Coming up. Introverts at the office, how to survive in an extrovert world and when to accept you just don't fit in. Beth Below lives in Tacoma, Washington. She's a coach and a writer who works with introverts, particularly people who work for themselves. I discovered her through her podcast, The Introvert Entrepreneur. She's also the author of a new book called The Introvert Entrepreneur, Amplify Your Strengths and Create Success on Your Own Terms. But this whole introvert for a living thing, it didn't start till later in life. She's a classically trained musician, and for years she worked in the arts and for non-profits. Before that, she was just a little girl who enjoyed her own company. I think I always knew that I was not as outgoing, not as social as some of the other kids, but like a lot of introverts, I just thought I was shy. And that's often the, the label that adults will put on you when they see that you're, you're not necessarily naturally reaching out to lots of people. They'll say, oh, she's just shy. And frankly, when I discovered music in sixth grade, you know, somebody put a clarinet in my hands and that became my identity. So I was able to, I don't want to say hide behind it because it was actually what helped me to come out of my shell. As she grew up, Beth became more and more interested in personality tests. She soon identified as an introvert, but she found out an introvert wasn't a shy person, although they could be. And Beth says this is what a lot of people still get wrong. Introversion and extroversion aren't about shyness versus a big personality. They have to do with where you get your energy. An extrovert tends to get their energy from other people, from the outside world, All that socialising keeps them going. An introvert gains energy from having plenty of alone time and being in less stimulating environments. Being surrounded by yakking colleagues can drain an introvert pretty quickly. I took a test on Beth's site and my suspicions were confirmed. I was deemed an ambivert. Aha, yes. So an ambivert is somebody who falls in the middle. And, you know, there's a lot more coming out as the introvert conversation has heated up that says... You know, most people are ambiverts. And, you know, it makes sense when you think about it because the introvert-extrovert categories, I guess, exist on a spectrum. I can't stand working alone for more than a day or so. I need that energy that comes from other people. On the other hand, I feel overwhelmed in large groups. I'll completely clam up. I'm much more comfortable one-on-one or with just a few people. 
And of course, anyone can be an introvert or extrovert. But I wanted to know whether Beth thought there were any differences between men's and women's experiences and also in how colleagues see them. I think men have had the advantage to some degree of having that strong silent type label that is, you know, sometimes valued or, or seen as an attractive feature. And and a quiet woman, I think, is automatically assumed to be shy. So I think a quiet man, it's like, oh, he's thinking or he's introspective or he's deep. And a quiet woman is shy or afraid or or mousy, you're not outspoken enough, you're not confident, you need to have more confidence in yourself. So I think that they interpret the silence or the, the quieter nature or, you know, however your, your introverted presence is showing up, they're seeing it more as a negative. She wonders if that affects how bosses view these women's futures. Perhaps they are especially attuned to, okay, you're a potential leader, but you're kind of quiet, so you need to speak up. She says those women may not be advancing as fast as they might otherwise. Now she says this is just a theory. Maybe some of you have promoted more introverted women to senior roles. Or maybe you're a quieter type who feels you've lost out because your bosses wanted a more outgoing character. Or perhaps you faked it to meet a manager's expectations. And we'll come back to that idea of women speaking up, or not, later in the show. Now, not every workplace is hell-bent on recruiting extroverts, but the average American workplace, at least, seems to love them. And you see it in everything from, you know, even the, the job postings. They'll say, we're looking for friendly, outgoing, you know, sales reps or customer service. Or there was even a, a job posting that was, I think, for a dental hygienist, and it said, no introverts. <laughs> so... It's, it's, the, the ad blatantly said no introverts. And so it was like, really? You know, do you understand what an introvert is? And so the bias shows up even at that level. And, and you know, lots of workplaces will say, you know, we work hard and we play hard and we're a family. And, you know, we, we love going to happy hours together and, you know, all of this. So there is this kind of workplace culture that has an extrovert expectation. And it, it becomes compounded when you have a trend towards open office plans. You know, nobody has an office anymore. Nobody has a door. And um, and you have to sign out space if you want some privacy. And those kinds of things are very energetically taxing to a lot, you know, to most people, but especially to the introvert who will um, be able to better focus and think and be creative if they've got space, if they have, you know, more quiet than noise. Open office plans don't bother me at all. But some of us with introvert tendencies dread another aspect of office life. I mean, I can't think of anything worse than going on like a (laughs) bonding activity. You know, so many companies do this. I mean, my brother's company in London has these retreats, but they're not, you know, nice retreats where you sit and think about things. They're retreats where you all have to sort of play games together. And I just, my heart just sinks just thinking about those things. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I've taken to calling those things forced fun. Um, in, in some cases. And I remember when I worked at a, a rather large nonprofit, um, they would, uh, if it was your birthday, you know, everybody had to gather in the conference room and sing and, you know, you ate cake and all, and all of that. And I just got to the point where I just would take the day off <laughs> because I thought, I don't want the forced fun, you know, but I look at that now. And this is where this is a place where I think introverts need to be um, aware and sensitive. You know, I look at that and I think, you know, maybe the the um, the gathering and and this also goes especially like if you are um, exiting a place 
you know, and, and people say, hey, we want to take you out for happy hour or we want to have a little party or, or something like that. You know, a lot of us would be like, mm, no, you know, that's OK. I don't want to make a big deal. But sometimes those kinds of workplace rituals, they're as much for the other people as they are for you. And and I thought, you know, if I'm if I'm always saying, you know, no, don't do anything or I'm disappearing on my birthday, it doesn't it's kind of making an assumption that it's forced fun and it doesn't give other people a chance to acknowledge and even celebrate whatever it is that I bring to the table. Okay, I can buy into that idea. But what about those outside the office marathons, otherwise known as conferences? They're tailor-made for extroverts. I don't go to that many, but whenever I do, I'm so spent by the end of the two or three days. And I need to go back to the hotel room and just not attend all the schmoozing events. But, But I feel... I feel bad. I feel guilty because I've been sort of fed this idea that the whole point of me being at the conference is to network and meet all these people. But it's just too much. Yes. And I think it's just like, you know, you can't have too much of a good thing. And for me, you know, my networking and my visibility and my learning is happening during those sessions. And I guess I've stopped feeling guilty about doing those other things because I think this is my experience. I paid to be here. And if I'm going to get the most out of it, if I'm going to get what I came for, then I need to take care of myself. And when it comes to networking in general, she says she stopped pretending to be an extrovert for the evening. Because I think when we're trying to imitate other people and we're saying, oh, she's got it down and and she's better at that than I am, so I need to be like her, that is not trusting that who I am is enough. So at one point, I just, you know, it was another one of those kind of light bulb moments when I said, wait a minute, you know, I'm... I'm trying to be like this other extroverted person and it's not, it doesn't feel good. And so what strengths do I naturally have that I can bring to the table? That I'm comfortable smiling at people and making eye contact, that I'm a really good listener, that I can ask really good questions. And that allowed me to be able to connect with people in an authentic way, not feel like I was faking it, and basically set myself up for better success she no longer dreads a room full of strangers. Lisa Sonier describes herself as a reformed introvert. She says as a kid, she spent a lot of time alone out of choice. But as she grew up, she realised she was pretty lonely. She started making a concerted effort to be more social. Today, she works in the water department of a big city in Texas. But even though she says she's now the life of the party, her inner introvert is still there. Part of my job is constantly tending to people, um, staff or superiors, or especially on a public service front, council members and uh, citizens, that kind of thing. So I just feel like I have to constantly be able to solve all of their problems and uh, think about what they're going through and help them out. And and then at the end of the day, I don't want to talk to anyone. (laughs) I'd like it to be just quiet, having more of my own time. And I've only really just realized that, that I was becoming almost totally burned out this sort of being on all the time without giving myself that time to sit and contemplate. She says her own experience makes her sympathetic to the introverts in her office. She manages a lot of people with scientific or technical backgrounds. She has an engineering degree herself, and she tries to adapt her management style for the less outgoing personalities. 
I try to be quiet. I try to listen and let them, you know, come out with what they're going to say at their own pace, which is definitely difficult for me. I like to to chime in and say that I know where we're going with this. And uh, so kind of just let them say what they want to say. And and some of that, I think, is also knowing that some people don't always speak up. So when certain people go on and on at a meeting, I try to seek out the people who've been quiet, you know, and ask them directly for their opinion, especially if I know that they're going to give me their opinion later after the meeting is over. <laughs> so try to get them to, to say it to everyone. Not to torture them, but so everyone in the room has a chance to know they're contributing especially the ones with the technical knowledge that can really help a project. And sometimes it's hard to understand those people or to get them to speak up, but but I find that they they almost always really know what they're talking about. So if you can coax it out of them, then then all of that information is is gold. But but yeah, they don't always make it to the top of the sort of charisma pile. So they're not always in leadership positions, but they usually know which which way the boat should go. And we're back to that idea that the most charismatic people and people who speak up in meetings, they're the ones who get promoted, even if they're contributing plenty, quietly, in their daily work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Frida Klotz has been that quiet contributor. Frida lives in Belgium now, but she and I met a few years ago in New York. She's Irish, and she'd been living in New York for several years. She's a writer and editor, and a couple of years ago, she landed her first permanent American job. She was still quite new when she realised there were certain expectations she wasn't meeting. My role was to do research and also to engage with um, my colleagues, obviously, and sometimes to present to clients. And... It was really interesting because in that organization, although being extroverted wasn't, I would say, required to be good at the job, it was certainly something that was really strongly valued. And there were a few different ways that this kind of manifested. And probably the main one was when we did a Myers-Briggs test. In case you haven't come across it, the Myers-Briggs test is a personality assessment. And um, it turned out that of, of the 20 or so people who I worked with, 18 of them categorized themselves as extroverts. And the head of our group was a really, you know, high on the extrovert scale. And then there was one person who was neutral, kind of one, in, but with one notch into introversion. And then I was actually the only kind of strong introvert within the, within my division in the company. And... I was then kind of asked to raise my hand and identify myself, which I thought was very funny. And I felt a little bit as though I was sort of being shamed for being an introvert because although nobody, it was all very touchy-feely and everybody was kind of saying, oh, it doesn't matter what you are, what category you are. The reality is it was really clear that our CEO, highly valued extroverts just like her. Frida soon learned if she wanted to fit in, she had to try harder to bring out another side of herself. I would say the culture that I was in was something of a sort of maybe 
not just an extrovert culture, but um, interrupting was something that was kind of very standard. And I certainly found that people I worked with directly regularly interrupted at meetings. And that was, it was almost, if you didn't interrupt, there was never going to be an opportunity to speak at all. So I did actually learn how to interrupt. I recently read an interview with former US Secretary of State Madeleine Albright. She was urging women to learn how to interrupt at work or they'd risk never being heard or having their views considered. And it is kind of liberating when you start to interrupt people and nothing bad happens. I think I was brought up with the idea that if you interrupt, it's terribly rude and you kind of shouldn't do it. But the reality is when you do and just keep speaking, everything is fine. So acquiring that new skill was a plus, but she kept on feeling out of place, especially when the personal critiques began. I was told that I needed to cut my bangs. The manager actually commented that I was probably hiding behind my bangs, which wasn't true, actually. But she said, I know you're probably hiding behind your bangs because you're timid and we're, we're so assertive here. But really, people won't um, be able to interact with you properly or connect with you unless they can see your face. And so I recommend that you cut your bangs or pull your hair back. And I do understand that people need to see your face to interact with you. But again, it was kind of strangely presented as as feedback. Um, a separate colleague told me there were issues with how I sat and with my voice. And again, it was somewhat vague. I mean, I think the thing about my voice is interesting because I'm not sure if that gets back to the idea of being an introvert or not. But this woman said there was something about my voice that was kind of problematic. Like what? Well, she never clarified, I'm afraid. So... <laughs> I don't know, maybe it was that I spoke a little bit quietly or I know when I'm nervous, my voice can get shaky, which doesn't really doesn't help. But um, the feedback, it kind of was about whether I was a cultural fit for the organization. And what I found strange was that I had done a sort of two hour interview to get the position and I hadn't really changed dramatically in the three weeks between doing the interview and getting the job. And so it was it was strange then to be kind of... um, asked to change my my style and my my voice and these other things in order to fit in to what was essentially a research job. Maybe there was even a cultural side to this. Perhaps some of these managers had a stereotype in mind. Typically Irish people are thought to have the gift of the gab and to be sort of chatty and all sorts of other things as well, I suppose. But I, yeah, I don't think introversion is widely viewed as being an Irish trait. But having said that, I know that I did a little bit of reading and I think that people in in Northern Europe are considered to be much more introverted. And being in Belgium, where I am now, I would say the culture is extremely introverted. And I could imagine that somebody who was too extroverted could be looked upon as being annoying or overconfident or arrogant. In America, it seems there's no such thing as being too outgoing. And as I told Beth Bilo, perhaps that's why, to me, even the word introvert seems tainted. When I was thinking yesterday, I was thinking about all this, and I was thinking about the word introvert and how I feel about that word. Mm-hmm. And I don't quite know why, but even the word has a not great connotation, right? It has a slightly right. negative connotation. And that must be, I presume, just from the culture and the fact that extroversion 
is what's admired in this culture. And I think maybe that's why I feel somewhat guilty about mm-hmm. removing myself in these mm-hmm. conference type situations. Yeah, you're right that it's it's so much grounded in what we've been fed culturally about how we are supposed to be, especially in social situations. And we become a little suspicious if someone is quiet or if they disappear, you know, and don't show up at the afternoon session or they're, you know, um, just squirreling away and talking to a couple of people instead of a bunch of them. And I think it's partly because of this really long long-standing misperception of what it means to be an introvert. And people will think an introvert is shy or antisocial. I often joke that they also think they're serial killers in waiting. Because when I first started The Introvert Entrepreneur, I set up a Google alert for the word introvert. And almost every email notice that came into my inbox was some sort of story about somebody committing a crime. And the police, the neighbor, you know, the coworker would use the word introvert, or the reporter would insert that word in there. You know, they'd say, yeah, the alleged gunman was really quiet, kept to himself. I think he was an introvert. So that word started to become synonymous with somebody to be a little afraid of, or somebody to be a little suspicious of. And so people think, you know, oh, we've got to fix that. You know, <laughs> introversion is, is not a good thing. And I do think that we're starting to take the word back and be able to claim it over the past few years. But I still also think we have a long way to go. Beth is one of several authors these days who's loudly advocating for introverts. Or maybe not loudly. Maybe assiduously is a better word. Thanks to her and my other two guests for sharing their stories on this episode. That's the broad experience for this time. As usual, I'd love to hear any thoughts you have on the show. You can post them in the comments section on the website or on the show's Facebook page. And if you're a fan of the podcast and haven't done so, please consider writing a review on iTunes. It helps the broad experience come to other people's attention. This is a one-woman show without a marketing department of any kind, so your help is greatly appreciated. And thanks again to all those of you who've donated to the podcast. There are more t-shirts. Check out the website for details. And finally, thank you to Eliza Sankar-Gordon for her help with this episode. I'm Ashley Milne-Tite. See you next time. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.